appreciate that. You may be seated. God bless you for standing in honor of the presence of the Lord. Jesus is here today. I told Brother Greg before I walked up here, I don't really want to preach this today, but I have to. And, uh, you know, I, I there's been a few times that I apologize before I ever got started. And this is kind of like one of those mornings that I feel like I need to apologize, maybe to our visitors, that I'm going to preach a pastoral message this morning. But I feel led to do it. And uh, sometimes we just we just need to let God speak the way He wants to speak, how He wants to speak. And uh, brother uh, Derek, would you turn me up just a tad on the monitor, just a little bit more monitor? I'm, sinuses are blocking my ear canal, I think today. So just a little bit more on the uh, monitor. That's all I hear. So. But I want to talk to you about something I've, I've actually used this scripture before several times probably in preaching. And, uh, but this may be a little bit different than what I've done before using Ezekiel chapter 33. You can stay seated if you like. I'm going to read Ezekiel chapter 33 beginning with verse number 1 through verse number 6. And then I'm going to skip over to Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 10. And uh, I want to talk to you today about where we are in time. I really truly believe that we're living on the threshold of eternity. I, and, I, and I'm not saying that just as a general statement, but it is general. All of us, life's short. You know that? One writer said, but a wisp of smoke, but a vapor. We're here for a little while and then we're gone. When we're young, we don't think like that. We think like, well, you know, i got a long time to go. I remember, I think Brother Greg mentioned it uh, last week or two about when he was young, thinking about, you know, we they preached the uh, Lord's coming so strong that we thought he was coming before his church was out, you know. And we wanted to get married and have kids and, and all these things that, uh, you know, everybody looked forward to in life, but. I found out that I'll be 65 next month. I'm, I live way past what I thought I'd live. Even I didn't think I'd make six. I told my wife, my poor wife heard me say it when I was young. I don't think I'll live past 30. And I I don't know why. It must have been t tough times or something. But but I have. I've doubled it and added in some. So no telling uh, what's coming. But I do believe we're, we're living in a very... Uh, difficult hour. We're living in an hour like we've never seen in our lifetime. Ezekiel 6, uh, 33 and 1, again the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. Say unto them when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him before their watchmen, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever Heareth the sound of the trumpet, taketh not warning. If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. 
but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Isaiah 56, one verse, verse number 10. His watchmen are blind. This is pretty rough, Brother Prophet. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. A watchman is only a watchman if he sounds the warning in time for the people to move or and deliver themselves. I want to talk to you this morning about blind watchmen. Blind watchmen. The pulpit commentary says, verse about Isaiah 56.10, his watchmen are blind. Israel's watchmen are his guides, teachers, the pastors, rabbis, prophets. At the time in which Isaiah speaks, they are blind or without knowledge. Like the blind guides of the gospel, Matthew, Jesus talked about Matthew 15 and 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. They have not the spiritual discernment which would enable them to lead the people aright. Further, they are dumb dogs instead of acting as faithful watchdogs who give warning of the approach of danger by their barking. They remain apathetic and utter no warning at all. It is as if they pass their lives in sleep. I have never set out to be a person of controversy, especially behind the pulpit. It's never been my desire, my aim, to be controversial as a preacher of the gospel. I don't like conflict, never have, especially just for conflict's sake. I have never believed the pulpit to be the place to hash out political differences. I take no pleasure in stirring the pot, as it were. I don't like drama. I don't like debate for debate's sake. I have never set out to attack anyone personally. But the problem that we are facing today is that there are so many people now that have embraced sin as a way of life, that when you mention a particular sin, they take it as a personal attack against them. And now anyone who tries to help them by telling them truth is considered a hater and a basher. And that puts us in a very difficult place as pastors, as preachers. Are we going to back off and quit preaching the parts of the Bible that offends are we going to love people enough to tell them the truth, even if it makes us controversial or disliked? Do I love the fornicator, the adulterer, the pedophile, the homosexual, the lesbians, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, the liars, the thieves, the murderers enough? Do I love them enough to tell them the truth? That's the question. That according to God's word, they are sinning and that the wages of sin is still death. And that God has provided a remedy for us all through the blood of Jesus Christ. But in order for his blood to cleanse us, we have to repent of our sins and sin no more. Mistakes are inevitable. Everybody makes them. Falling down, I'm not talking about physical falling. When I get older, I get the more that happens. But I'm talking about 
in life in general, spiritually. Falling down is inevitable. But staying down is not. We cannot ignore God's commandments and avoid every controversial scripture that identifies sin and just try to rub some kind of greasy grace on everybody no matter how they live or what they believe. We can't live one way on Sunday than another way on Monday and call ourselves righteous and call ourselves Christ-like Christians. We can't walk a middle line. There is no neutral ground in this thing. We are either on Jesus' side or we're against him. We're either gathering with him, the Bible says, or we're scattering abroad. We are either preaching the truth, living the truth, or we are rejecting truth. What are we doing? That's the question. Where are we right now in time? It's not as hard to see. The Bible is our plumb line, our guide. Anyone who is willing to read the word will see it. But the problem is that many pulpits in this nation today have become so polluted and diluted, they no longer call people to repentance and salvation from sin. It's okay. Let's go along to get along. Many in pulpits today are only interested in growing church numbers, only interested in money and positions and recognition. They are what the Bible calls blind watchmen. What good are we doing if we intentionally overlook sin to the detriment of the sinner? Isaiah 56 and 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. This is pretty tough stuff. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. They don't want to upset anybody. They prophesied nothing but peace and prosperity and harmony and acceptance and love. And there's nothing wrong with that in its place. Nothing. Inclusion. They say, in effect, everybody's already saved. They just don't know they're saved. If you can get it and not know it, you can lose it and not miss it. I'm glad I know I've got it. That's not bragging. I'm just telling you. They say, we want you to be yourself. Whatever you identify with, that's fine with us. God loves you just like you are. He, want, he just wants and, and we just want you to be happy. A feel-good message without any guidelines or standards. I know society and culture changes, but sin is still sin. I said sin is still sin. Brother Tenney said one time, he said, before we move a boundary, we need to ask why it was put there in the first place. We need to ask, just because sin makes you happy, does that make it acceptable to God? Does grace make allowance for sin because that makes us happy? No, my friend. Of course, the answer is no. Right now, false prophets are sounding the message of love, acceptance, inclusiveness, peace, prosperity, safety, unity, harmony. Let's just go along. Let's get along together. 
Read Acts chapter 7 when Stephen preached the truth to the Jews at Cyrene. Are we ready for that? And the truth this morning is this nation is very divided. We are internally at war. There is more hate and prejudice and racial tension and discontent than most of us have ever seen in our life. I started school before the 1964, uh, what was that, uh, Johnson put into effect. It was the, anybody remember that? <laughs> Some of you older than me now. That was the, when the, Equal rights law, whatever it was, equal rights protection law, protection under the law, which is good, was good, nothing wrong with that. And there was a lot of prejudice in the 60s. I remembered, I was in school, I remember the prejudice and the things that went on, and it wasn't right, it was wrong. But I don't think I've seen any more prejudice and any more hatred than I've seen in this day and hour that I'm living in. I can go back a long time, almost 60 years, and can tell you some stuff. But I don't think I've seen anything any worse than I'm seeing right now in the hour that we're living in. This nation has forgotten God. We have rebelled against the word of God. We have ridiculed God, cast his truth to the ground. And we are spiraling out of control as a nation. We are falling into a bottomless pit of greed and immorality and sexual perversion. That's where we are today. Satan is blinding men's eyes. If you need proof, then pay attention to what's happening right now in our politics, in our nation. The number one commentators on our national talk shows today are homosexuals or lesbians or transgenders or bisexuals. They are celebrated as heroes for coming out. Our public libraries, listen very carefully, this is all true, this is truth, this is going on right now. Our public libraries are inviting drag queens to come in. Anybody know what a drag queen is? Everybody knows what a drag queen is. I guess it's a man dressed like a woman with high heels and all that's to make up and all. Inviting them in to read to our kindergartners, to read to our kids. They're calling it drag queen hour. Introducing them to perversion as being normal. Let me read you. This just came off. I got this off. Everything's true on the internet. You know that. But I know this is. This was came from a news outlet. A group of drag queens in a bejeweled ball gown and stiletto heels brought unexpected glamour to story time on Mother's Day weekend. Where do you think this happened? Where do you think this took place? A rambunctious crowd packed into the auditorium of the St. Louis Public Library Central Branch on Saturday afternoon for Drag Queen Story Hour. The event, which aims to celebrate diversity and inclusion, drew more than 100 young children and their families. After a quick song, if you're ready for this, some stories, say, oh yeah, the three performers introduced themselves by their stage name, Maxie Glamour, Celeste Covington, and Blair Warner. Dressed in ankle-length shimmering black dress and red sash, Covington read The Bad Seed, a story about a misbehaving sunflower seed. He said to the group, he said, I stare at everybody. I glare at everybody. Can you all glare for me? Covington said, eliciting a hundred tiny scowls. I do lots of other bad things, he said, too. 
You know why? He said, because I'm a bad seed. He didn't know how true he was, what he was really saying. Something is happening in the realm of the spirit. And I'm compelled to tell it. And it's this. The power that has been behind all of this corruption and immorality and this perversion is getting ready to take center stage in our society. Listen very carefully. If it doesn't happen, count me as a false prophet. But I'm telling you, it's it's coming. It's coming. Just a few short years ago, we had the first openly gay Miss America contest in 96 years. She was celebrated as a trailblazer. We just witnessed in this past presidential election the first openly gay presidential candidate who is married to a man and flaunts it by kissing publicly. This man's in our government. Did you know he's part of the, uh, of the new president's cabinet? Do you know that he's going to run for president? It's coming. He's very young. He's in his late 30s, I believe. He's going to run for president. It's coming. Dark times are here. These are not dark days that are 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Dark days are here. It's already happening right now in our society. Many of the pulpits of the land are silent, will not open their mouths for fear of what will happen. It's coming. I've said this a long time ago. There's going to be a day that when I stand in the pulpit and do what I'm doing right now, that they're going to come in and and take me in handcuffs and put me in the jailhouse. It's coming. It's coming to America. If the Lord tarries, does not come after his bride, mark it down, it's coming. You'll not be able to stand in the pulpit and call sin, sin. You won't. Our churches today, many are filled with people who don't want to hear the truth. You're uncomfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable talking about it. It's uncomfortable to talk about sin the way I'm talking about it. But it's happening, folks. It's happening. This is the day and the hour that we're living in. We're living in this hour right now, going on around us right now. In our communities, in our own communities. Folk don't want to deal with the reality of it. We become we have become spiritually spiritually lethargic. Epileptic by the hour that we're living in. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, uh, traitors. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. A form of godliness. He wasn't talking about the world. You know, you look at that and you think he's talking about the world. He wasn't talking about the church. A form of godliness. The world doesn't have any kind of form of godliness. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the last day church. Not the world. Jesus said, Luke chapter 17, verse 26, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. 
How was it in the days of Noah? Genesis 6 and 5. Did I give you that? Genesis 6 and 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is where we're living. This is the day we're living in. You ask me, why, why would I preach like that? I'll tell you why. It's because we're in a time of war. We're in a time of spiritual wars because hell is being poured out on this earth in unprecedented ways. Let me tell you for sure, Satan knows he's short-timer. Satan knows that he's a short-timer. He would like nothing better than to get a hold of a child of God or your children and twist our minds to think that we're okay when we're not okay. He doesn't need to introduce us to some new wicked perversion or some new wicked sin. All he has to do is to stop you from praying. I mentioned it before. All he has to do is to keep you off your knees, keep you from praying for your kids and your grandchildren. All he has to, has to do is stop us from praying and seeking God for our families. God. As a watchman for your soul, I want you to be prepared and equipped for whatever's coming. And because uh, I have a responsibility as your watchman on the wall to sound the trumpet to preach as a watchman for your soul for this hour. 1 Corinthians 14 and 8, for the trumpet gives an uncertain sound. Who shall prepare himself to to the battle? If it's an uncertain sound, if it's not coming out of the word of God, if it's something made up, if it's something just to feel good by, it's an uncertain sound. I have to put the trumpet to my lips and I have to sound a certain sound. I have to make the message very clear and plain. I have to sound the warning if we only pray when we are in church. If only prayer time we get is when we walk to the doors of the church house, our prayer lives are lacking. We have to have a personal time in your own personal closet to pray every day, every day, every day. If you don't, Satan's going to fool you. He's going to trick you. Isaiah 30 and 10, which say to the seers, see not, to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceit. Smooth means comfortable, convenient, flattering, easy, peace, safety, blessings. Deceits mean illusions, deceptions, twist the truth. Don't rock the boat. Pacify us with an easy religion that has no conviction at all. Preach us messages that make us feel good. And we, we don't do that, brother. I know that. But we can't start. We've got to get down into the word of God. We've got to dig down deep. We've got to get a foundation. You have to have a foundation to stand on. If you don't, you're going to fall. The Holy Ghost warned us that these times would come. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And they shall turn unto fables. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own, their, their, their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, those. I know I already read it. I'm reading it again. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 1 Timothy 4 and 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared. This is what we have to be careful. We don't want to get to the place where our conscience is seared. Our conscience is seared and nothing affects us. I know you're quiet. That's all right. But I've come to this pulpit today with a holy heartburn, if there's such a thing. My heart's on fire. I see people becoming sloppy in their commitment to God. I see people today feeling as though the preaching of the gospel is just a performance and that the preacher puts it on every Sunday morning and sometimes they want to see it and sometimes they don't know if they want to see it. They don't. They think to themselves, the church will always be there. You better think again. And what concerns me is that we are in more desperate, more demonic, more oppressing, darker times than most of us have ever experienced in a lifetime. And many in the church today act like everything's okay. That there really is not a devil. Let me tell you something, there is. And the truth is, I know the responsibility that is laid on the ministry by God. God has put a responsibility on us to speak it, to preach it, to teach it. I can't say I don't feel like preaching today. I don't feel like giving you any word today because I believe your life, your eternity, where you spend your eternity depends on the word of God, on hearing the word of God. This is the time when we should be more committed, more faithful, more on fire, more passionate, hungrier for God than we have ever been in a lifetime. Brother Jack, you got my back. All right. Ain't got nobody on the plane. Y'all out there, come on now. Is this truth? Is this truth? This is the time when we ought to be devouring the Word of God. It's no time for gossiping. It's no time for sitting around and pointing out faults and failures of everybody else around instead of realizing it's me, oh Lord, it's me, oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. This is the time when we should be praying every chance that we get. We ought to be on our knees before God. We ought to be pleading the blood. We ought to be in the word of God. In the car this week for about four hours by myself. I turned Alexander Scorby on. I like to listen to a lot of people don't like his voice, but I like to listen. I grew up listening to him. You read the Bible to me. And, I, and for four hours straight, there was something about it. Oh, there was a feeling. I felt like getting out and preaching right beside the road. I did. Just the word of God was penetrating where it ought to. That's right. Things are changing in this nation. This is not the America we grew up in. This is not the America we once knew and loved. 
It's not getting better. Sorry. I apologize. I apologize to my visitors or to our visitors, our, our guests today. I hope you understand that. I'll always do this. There are times I preach better. But I apologize this morning for this. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. We better get honest about it and quit playing games. Gird up the loins of our mind. We need to get the whole armor on, Sister Trammell. She's been talking about the armor of God. She's looking for an armor. If you all can find one of those metal armors that stand up, you know anybody has one, if you got one, she needs it. Quit playing games. Get on fire for God and seek his face like we've never sought him before. Persecution is coming. Sorry. We have graduated in America now from homicide or a murder every now and then to mass murders. Our children aren't safe in schools. Churches aren't safe, Brother Emil. It's not a safe place anymore. We can't be guaranteed that when you come to church, there's not going to be any violence. Who knows? Seen it all over. We better get our heads out of the sand and get our heads into the Word of God. We better get our families, listen carefully, we better get our families under the blood. We better get full of the Holy Ghost like we've never been full of the Holy Ghost. In Chicago last weekend alone, there were 60-something, 65 shootings, at least six fatalities in Chicago, not Afghanistan. Less than 300 miles north of us, this is going on. Every weekend, multiple shootings, tens of uh, tens and tens. I mean, if you add it all together, there ain't no telling. There's probably been more murders in that one city in Chicago and, than in all of Afghanistan in the last 10 years, probably. I, I haven't looked at that statistic, but it's probably pretty close. I think 20, we lost 2,300 uh, lives, something like that, in Afghanistan over 20 years. You probably do that in Chicago in two years. This is where we're living. I'm not mad at anybody today. I'm mad at the devil. I'm not preaching angry. I'm preaching out of love. I'm not asking God for a house full of people who come out of curiosity's sake or just to catch up on the week's happenings. But I ask the Lord for a church that's God-seeking, that's sold out, that's blood-bought, that's Holy Ghost-filled, that's fire baptized. They are soldiers of the cross who are hungry for God and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been pretty negative up to now. I'd probably have left myself if I wasn't up here preaching. You heard all the bad news. Now here's the good news. When I was in Donovan, Missouri, principal school back 40 years ago, Brother Moulter used to have a five-minute radio broadcast on the local station, and it was right after Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey had his 13-minute, whatever it was, and Brother Moulter would hit the airways right soon as he said, good day. He would say, and you've heard the news? Now it's time for good news. And for five minutes, he'd give them good news. That's what we need. We need some good news. Is there hope for America? Yes, yes, yes. 
Second Chronicles 7.14, we've read it about every service the last few weeks. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Come on, saints of God. It's up to us. If you know that what I'm telling you today is truth, then you're not worried about sounding or looking a little undignified. I need some prayer warriors. We need some prayer warriors who will join together and go to war on behalf of our country. I'm not talking about taking up physical arms. I'm talking about getting down on our knees and praying and fasting, seeking God over our country, our families. Our schools, our churches, it's worth it. Nothing happens until we pray. Can I say that again? Nothing happens until we pray. Nothing will happen unless we pray. Nothing will happen unless we pray. Pray. Will you stand, please? We have to plead the blood. We have to use the name of Jesus. We have to repent and turn from our wicked ways, according to the Chronicles. As a watchman, we need to apply a spiritual eye salve to our blinded eyes to call sin, sin. None of us are exempt. Listen to me now. Nobody's exempt. None of us are perfect. Come on, it's all right to say amen. None of us are perfect. But you and I need to stand up. We need to stand tall. We need to proclaim this truth. We need to preach the truth. We need to live like we believe the truth. Because it is the truth. Stand firm. Stand up. If you have a problem with the foundation, dig down. Strengthen your foundation. Get down to business. Go, we're getting ready to see some things we've never seen before. But let me tell you this, and this is truth. In the darkest hour, in the very darkest hour, we're living there, we're living close. But in the very darkest hour, the sun, the S-O-N, shines the brightest. Oh, yes. Even the world knows something's not right. You can talk to people that don't claim God at all. In fact, you listen to their speech and you know they don't. But they'll tell you, yeah, something's fixing to happen. We're up against some things we've never seen before. And we're going to have to, we got to get ready. When that door opens, when they tell you that, you need to tell them, let me tell you how to get ready. Let me tell you how to get ready. Let me tell you how to get right with God. Oh, we need God like we've never needed it, mamas, daddies. We need God in our home like we've never needed him before. We need God more than we need a new home, house. We need God more than we need a new car.
We need God more than we need bigger bank accounts. We need God in our life desperately. Would you step out from where you are with every head bowed and every eye closed? If you, if you can walk with your eyes open, do that. Come right up to the front and let's stand wherever you want to stand. We're going to talk to the Lord and talk to the Lord for just a few minutes. And then we're going to dismiss you shortly. But I'd like for us to get in the frame of mind of prayer, letting God know we're not giving in or giving up. We're not about to let down. We're going to strengthen ourselves. We're going to strengthen as, as fathers and priests of our home. We're going to strengthen our home. We're going to strengthen our prayer lives. We're going to rebuild the altars in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, hear In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray for a divine intervention. I pray for divine help. I pray that you will cleanse us and purify us. Cleanse our minds, make our hearts right. Make us what we ought to be. Charging on. 